بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد So right now we're at hadith number 29 Let's have a quick recap of what we covered last session In this narration the companion Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu ta'ala Asked the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, O Messenger of Allah, tell me about an action that will enter me into paradise and distance me from hellfire. And then the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, he went on to say that you have asked about a tremendous thing, and indeed it is easy for whomsoever Allah makes easy for. <coughs> What do we learn from this? What's the first thing that we mentioned? We learn from this hadith. Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu comes to the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam and he did not ask about something from the dunya. There's no harm in asking the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam concerning something from the dunya. But this companion asked this question, Anjum. Very good. This shows that the companions were, the, were concerned about the hereafter. Likewise, one point that we highlighted last session is concerning this narration, how we understand it in light of the fact that there is another narration where the Messenger said, None of you shall enter into paradise by his action. This companion is saying, <clears throat> tell me about an action that will enter me into paradise. Yet the Prophet ﷺ has said in another statement of his <clears throat> that none of us shall enter into paradise by our actions. <clears throat> so how do we understand that? <clears throat> Very good. The preposition that's used in the statement of, of the messenger, uh, or rather in the ayat and the text in general, that speak about entering into paradise by our actions, being rewarded in paradise by our actions. That preposition, which, in, which is ba, the letter ba, which is then translated into English as by, so for example, Enter into paradise, the ayah. Uh, uh, enter into the meaning of the ayah. Enter into paradise by way of what you used to do, meaning by way of your actions. That by there, by, which is a translation of the preposition ba, is the by or the ba of sababiyah, the ba of causation. Meaning people will enter into paradise as a, and their actions are a cause of them entering into paradise. It is not the ba of al-mu'awabah. It is not the ba of exchanging. It is not the ba of re reimbursing and exchanging. Somebody wants to sell a cake, so you 
give him five pounds because that is what the cake is worth. That is the price of the cake. Give him five pounds. He'll give you that five pounds worth of a cake. But Jannah, it is not that we are granted it because we've worked hard for 60, 70 years in this life and we've accumulated that amount of hasanat, that amount of good deeds that can now pay for Jannah. That can now equate to the same value as Al Jannah. No. Regardless of what you do, regardless of how righteous you may be, regardless of uh, uh, the deeds that you perform in this life until you die, regardless of that, none of that equates to the value of paradise. Just look at one blessing of yours. Look at the blessing of your, um, your feet, for example. Your ability to walk. The example that we hear many a times. That if it was the case, I said to Ayub, Ayub, give me your feet and I'll give you 100 pounds. Would you accept the offer? What's about 200 pounds? 300 pounds, you get yourself some really nice trainers. No? What about 1,000 pounds? No? Regardless of how high the offer is, you would not give his beautiful feet to me for whatever price it is. So that shows that you already are a millionaire or a billionaire because that's just one organ. How about your intestines? How much would you give me to give me your intestines? How much would you give to give your eye? How much would you give to give your, 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 your ability to breathe, your lungs? Take some artificial lungs and give me your real lungs. Nobody would give any amount of money for that. So you are already a billionaire when you think about the assets that you possess. And therefore, these assets that you've been given for free, you're, uh, you're, you're, already, you're already in a state of debt towards the giver of these assets. You're already in a state of debt towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for these assets. And therefore, regardless of how long you live in performing righteous deeds, none of those deeds will equate to the value of one of those precious assets of yours. Just the ability to see, for example. Even if you were to live your life, the whole of your life upon righteousness, you're still going to be in debt towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And for that reason, the person that is arif, the person that has... He recognizes his state. He recognizes his condition in this life. Then he works hard in being a good Muslim. He works hard in being righteous. But when, once he's done all of that, once he's fasted, for example, in the month of Ramadan, prayed within the month of Ramadan, fasted within the, within the month of Ramadan, given charity in the month of Ramadan. When Ramadan is over, what do you do? What's the, how should Ramadan be sealed? How did the Salafs seal their Ramadan? How did they conclude their Ramadan? With istighfar, with seeking forgiveness. Why? Because the Salaf would work hard in Ramadan, worshipping Allah, paying gratitude to Allah, loving Allah, fearing Allah, hoping in Allah. They would work hard in Ramadan. They wouldn't be lazy saying, you know what? Regardless of what I do, it's of uh, no benefit because... Paradise 
its value, its qimah, its value, its worth is so great and I can never, ever, 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 ever do actions that equates to the value of paradise. The Salaf never said that. The Salaf never did that. They worked hard in Ramadan and then when Ramadan comes to an end or any other act of worship comes to an end, the person realizes that what I've done in reality is nothing. The salah that I've performed in reality, it's nothing for the favors of, of my Lord upon me. This month of Ramadan that I have spent worshiping my Lord, it is nothing in relation to the favors of my Lord upon me. And so the person works hard in worshiping Allah and then he resorts to istighfar. He resorts to make, seeking forgiveness. He resorts to begging and beseeching Allah to have mercy upon him because it is the mercy of Allah it is by Allah having mercy upon you that you'll then end up going into paradise so your actions your good deeds they demonstrate they show that you are sincere in your claim in wanting paradise you are sincere in your claim in being saved from the fire of hell but they don't equate to the value of paradise at all they don't equate to the ticket into paradise, the entry into paradise at all. You do those deeds to show that you're sincere, but then it is by Allah having mercy upon you that you end up entering into paradise. Because paradise, that is from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is not an equivalent for your actions at all. Just like, for example, an example to further, to make it further clear, if you ask someone to make a cake for you if you ask someone to make a cake for you and the person says yes sir I'll charge you five pounds for this cake I'll charge you five pounds for this cake and so the person makes the cake for you when he makes the cake you find that it's crumbling by the side you find that there is a, a piece missing so the person says the baker he says Listen, I did try to make the cake, but I miscalculated the quantity of ingredients that I needed. I did my, you can clearly see, I've done my best to make that cake. I've got the ingredients, I miscalculate, miscalculated it, yes. I put it in the oven, and then later on I realized that I, the procedure that I adopted in making the cake, it wasn't the best method. But I've done my best. Will you still buy this cake off me? What do you do? You say yes, no problem. You give him the five pounds. Is the cake worth five pounds? It's not even worth half of five pounds at all. It's not the thing that you had requested from him. It is deficient. It is narcus. The cake has crumbly bits. It is uh, deficient from this side. The cream isn't there. He's miscalculated it. It's not worth five pounds. But you say, I'll give you the five pounds because you've shown me that you did try to be sincere in making this cake for me and thus I'll give you this cake, huh? Rahmatan alayk, out of mercy upon you. You still put the effort in in making the cake for me. I'll take the cake. I'll give you the five pounds. This five pounds isn't because the cake is worth the five pounds. But this five pounds is what? Rahmatan alayk. I know that you were sincere. Hakadha walillahi al al-a'la. To Allah belongs a greater example. The actions that we do does not equate to the value of paradise. But the actions show that we are sincere. We are wanting to be sincere. We really want Jannah. We really don't want to go to hellfire. 
This is what I'm trying to do. I know it's deficient. I know it is less than the actual worth of, of paradise, less than the actual worth of seeing your face, Ya Rabb. However, this is the effort that I put in. Now I resort to asking you to have mercy upon me. Forgive me for my deficiencies. Forgive me for my shortcomings. And enter me into paradise. Tamam. Then Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abad, he mentions. He mentions that. He says that. وَدُخُولُ الْجَنَّاتِ لَيْسَ عِوَضًا عَنِ الْأَعْمَالِ وَإِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالِ الصَّالِحَةِ أَسْبَابٌ لَهَا وَاللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ تَفَضَّلَ بِالتَّوْفِيقِ لِلسَّبَبِ وَهُوَ الْعَمَلُ الصَّالِحِ وَتَفَضَّلَ بِالْجَزَاءِ الَّذِي هُوَ دُخُولُ الْجَنَّةِ فَرَجَعَ الْفَضَلْ فِي السَّبَبِ وَالْمُسَبَّبِ إِلَى اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ to further show how much we are in need of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is not just the case that Jannah, entry into Jannah is from the mercy of Allah. Entry into Jannah, that is from the mercy of Allah. But likewise, the cause that led you to entering into paradise, meaning your actions, that is from the mercy of Allah as well. Paradise, that is from the rahmah of Allah. That is from the mercy of Allah. But you, praying, is from the mercy of Allah. You giving in charity, that is also from the mercy of Allah. You being a Muslim, again, it goes back to the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The thing that you were rewarded with, paradise, that is from the mercy of Allah. But the cause, the means, the avenue that led to that mercy, that led to the paradise, that is also from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because, as we mentioned this example before, if you think about when you became Muslim, if you think about when you started becoming practicing, if you think about that time, it wasn't because of your intelligence that you became Muslim. It wasn't because of your intelligence and being very clever and having a high IQ that you ended up becoming practicing. But if you think about it, wasn't it the case that you happened to be at the right time, at the right place, speaking perhaps to the right person, clicking on the right website link, clicking on the right YouTube link, even though there is much more facade on that YouTube than there is khair. But the reason why you became Muslim, the factors that led you to becoming Muslim, the factors that led you to becoming a religious, practicing person, the factors that led you to becoming a man of sunnah, a woman of sunnah, the factors that led you to seek knowledge and become a seeker of Islamic knowledge, all of those factors, wasn't it the case that those factors just happened to have fallen in the right place at the right time, you were in the most conducive environment, in the most conducive state, conducive state of mind, which led you to becoming Muslim, which led you to becoming practicing. If you think about it, it wasn't like the ball was absolutely in your court and you had full control over all of the governing affairs which led you to, to becoming Muslim, to becoming guided. No. There were so many other external factors that led you to becoming Muslim. 
so many factors that were outside of your control. If it was the case that someone was giving da'wah to you, perhaps you're one of those people that just ended up stumbling across that person. That person gave you da'wah at that moment in time in your life. You were going through such a, such a situation in your life, such an experience in your life, that the da'wah that you received on that particular day just ended up being so, so, so effective and hitting that chord in your heart. Perhaps if that person gave da'wah to you five days earlier or five days later, you would never have become Muslim. You would never have been guided. So the point being, and I'm sure you can all relate to this to some degree, when you're honest with yourself, when you're honest to yourself, you did not become Muslim, or you did not start praying, or you did not start becoming Sunni, Salafi, and the Talib al-Ilm, because you are just the, the creme de la creme from your crew. You are the best of the best from your, from your, from your gang, or from your, from your group, or from your, from your friends and your companions. No, it was fadl from Allah. It was Allah just favoring you. And therefore, you being guided to doing good deeds, that as well is a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And thus we have that statement of the companions who said, Wallahi, lawlallah, mahtadayna, wala tasaddaqna, wala sallayna. By Allah, we swear by Allah, if it wasn't for Allah, we would never have been guided. If it wasn't for Allah, we would never have prayed. If it wasn't for Allah, we would never have given charity. So the point being, Jannah is a favor from Allah, but likewise the cause that led you to Jannah, meaning your righteous deeds, that is also a favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when a person realizes that, when a person realizes that the only reason, the only, the, only, um, the only reason behind him being saved from excruciating pain in the afterlife, because that's what it boils, boils down to. The reason why we are Muslim, the reason why we, we, we do this talab al-ilm, it's 8 o'clock at night. Why are we sitting here studying and taking notes and listening? And why are we doing this? taking one hour of our time at 8 o'clock at night. Why are we doing this? What's the point? Is it in order to just uh, have a barnamage, have a system in our life? Is it because it's a hobby? Is it because it just makes life more fulfilling? No. The reason why, the, in the grand scheme of things, the reason why we're doing this is what? Is because we're scared. Scared of what? Scared of an inevitable reality, an inevitable future, the future of punishment from Allah. We're scared of that and therefore as a result of being scared of that and fleeing from that, we resort to this. We resort to this 8 o'clock p.m. sitting where we gather together in order to recite the ayat of Allah, to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that maybe by way of this talab al-ilm, by way of this seeking of knowledge, and he may give us what we hope in. He may give us, he may give us paradise. He may save us from that hellfire, and he may give us that paradise. That is the reason. That is the reason why why we do this. So therefore, the point is, is that when a person realizes, when a person realizes 
that this salvation from hellfire and that this entry into paradise and that this actual path path to paradise is only by the mercy of Allah then what does that push and propel you to do again when a person realizes that being rescued and saved from the fire and being entered into paradise and being led to those actions that lead to paradise is only by the mercy of Allah what does that realization propel you to do now be grateful something else as well it's a good answer huh? encourage you to do actions something more you've realized you've realized that um, I'm very limited in what I can do the only thing that I can do is exercise that free will that I have exercise that free will that I have in doing righteous deeds but those righteous deeds they need to become easy for me those righteous deeds need to become accessible for me I need to have the physical ability to do talab al-ilm I need to have physical ability to perform hajj I need to have the wealth to give sadaqah I need to have all of those means at my disposal to be righteous so therefore what does that push you to do now Adam practice your religion more fantastic uh, um, Idris fantastic the answer I was looking for all of your answers Barakallahu is correct but the answer that I'm looking for is that when a person realizes that Jannah is Rahmah from Allah salvation from, from hellfire is Rahmah from Allah being Muslim is Rahmah from Allah seeking knowledge is Rahmah from Allah being guided is Rahmah from Allah when he realizes that in reality all of it is Rahmah mercy from Allah then it makes a person it pushes a person it propels a person to beg and beseech and implore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this Rahmah I can't do this by myself Ya Rabb I need your Rahmah I need your Rahmah to be guided I need your Rahmah for me to be Muslim and stay a Muslim and die a Muslim I need your Rahmah to make Wudu I need your Rahmah to make Salah I need your Rahmah for every single thing which can be a cause of me entering into paradise that is the thing that this realization pushes a person to do to beg and beseech Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Rahmah Rahmah in being guided Rahmah of paradise Rahmah in being saved from the fire of hell Tamam part number two part number two so when Mu'adhi bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala asked the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam this question when he asked him O oh messenger of Allah inform me about an action that shall enter me into paradise and shall distance me from hellfire meaning an action that will be a cause of me entering into paradise not a replacement not, a, not an equivalent when Mu'adh said this then the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam he said لَقَدْ سَأَلْتَ عَنْ عَظِيمٌ وَإِنَّهُ لَيَسِيرٌ عَلَى مَنْ يَسَّرَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَلَيْهِ indeed you have asked about something that is great something that is tremendous something that is mighty and indeed it is easy upon the one whom Allah upon whom Allah the most high makes easy for Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad he said 
in this statement of the messenger alayhi salatu wassalam fihi bayan azim manzilat hadha sual when the messenger said you've asked something great this highlights the great and tremendous nature of this question this is a great and tremendous question and when the messenger alayhi salatu wassalam says this then this is now an encouragement this is now an encouragement to yani shaykh al muhsin he says wa sual he said wa he said fihi bayan azim manzilat hadha sual wa ahamiyatihi wa tasji'i ala mithlihi this is now an encouragement an encouragement to ask something like this an encouragement to act upon what the answer of this question is because if the question is something that is great and the answer is going to be something great and therefore a person he should act by that then Shaykh Abdul Masjid Abad he then says that this statement of the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam it signifies that this the acquisition of this meaning entry into paradise and salvation from the fire of hell it is something that is azim, it's great, meaning it is not a small thing. It is not achieved by a small effort. It requires effort. There is going to be some mashaqqa in there. There is going to be some labor involved. There is going to be some toil involved. There is going to be some effort involved. It isn't the case that entry into paradise, salvation from the fire of hell, you don't even need to think about having any effort in that regard no you have to put effort in however it is yaseer it is easy for the one whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes to make easy for the one who is sincere the one who is sincere in his desire to enter into enter into paradise the one who is sincere in his desire to be saved from the fire of hell Allah jalla he will open up the avenues for him he'll open up the doors for him However, no doubt, it is going to involve, it is not going to be an easy ride in and of itself. Paradise, it is surrounded by difficulties. Whereas hellfire, it is surrounded by temptations. In order to get to paradise, it is not an easy ride. You have to work. You have to put effort in. But Allah will open up those doors he will facilitate for you those avenues via which you can get to paradise. He will open up those doors. He will facilitate and make easy for you those avenues. Open up those doorways. Open up those paths via which you can be saved from entering into paradise if you are sincere. That, sincer that sincerity does require mashakka. It does require difficulty. It does require toil and labor and effort otherwise look at the prophets aren't they the people that were tested the most aren't they the people that were tried with trial and tribulation the most one of us loses one child of ours one son one daughter and we think nobody is going through more more uh, uh, pain and grief than me you lose one child one daughter one son yeah, look at the messenger do we ever stop to think that every single child of his every single child 
except for one child, Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, died before he died alayhi salatu wasalam. Think about how many children you have and think about losing every single one of them before you die. Some of us, we plan already that my child, he's 10 right now, he's 15 right now, he's whatever age he is. And we plan about their future, we plan about their education, we plan about their marriage even. You, you sometimes some may be thinking about when they're going to be grandparents, if they're not grandparents already. You think about these things. Imagine all of those hopes that you have in your child being gone in one night. You wake up, you get a phone call, all of your children died in a car crash. Imagine that. But here and how you would not think that there is anybody in your community that suffered a greater trial than you, losing your child. You, you plan that. Your child, he's going to wash your body. Your child, he's going to bury you in your grave. That is what you have in mind, don't you? Yet the Messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam, he lost every single one of his sons and every single daughter except Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha before he himself died alayhi salatu wasalam. So therefore that shows and, and the point behind the test of life, the point behind the trial of life is what? To be patient. That's when it's a fruitful test. That's when it's a test that bears fruits. Otherwise it's a test that has been lost in vain. It's been a waste. You fail the test if you're not patient. So the Messenger والسلام, obviously was patient in his tests and his trials. Therefore that shows that entry into paradise does come with tests and trials and difficulties. Otherwise the Messenger والسلام, would never have been tested. If it was the case that there was no worth to being tested and tried. If there was no worth to entering into paradise without going through difficulty. In fact, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentions in Miftah Dar al-Sa'ada, uh, one of his books, it's a lengthy section within which he's mentioning the wisdom behind Allah putting Adam alayhi salam on this earth. If Allah removed Adam alayhi salatu salam from a Jannah, from a paradise, removed him from paradise, placed him on earth, and then allowed him to have offspring. Offspring, children, that will spread throughout the earth, among whom will be a people who will go back to paradise. So if it is the case that Allah Jalla wa'az had Adam alayhi salam in a Jannah, in a paradise, but then he removed him, placed him on earth, in order to inevitably go back to a Jannah, go back to a paradise, then what was the wisdom behind him doing so? What was the wisdom behind taking Adam and his offspring out of paradise, when inevitably they're going to end up going back to paradise anyhow. What was the hikmah, the wisdom behind that? And then Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, he elucidates upon this point with beautiful points. Um, but the summary of it is that Allah Jalla wa'az took us out of paradise, meaning our father, 
out of paradise, our father Adam salam, out of paradise. Why? So we could come to a life, we could enter in, in an abode where we can work righteous deeds, perform righteous actions that are a cause of us entering into paradise. As a result of that, we will then appreciate paradise. You enter into this life, work for paradise. Yes, you go through toil and labor, which is not for a long period of time. 60, 70 years will seem nothing other than a day or half a day. You work for those 60, 70 years for that paradise because then you will appreciate that paradise, will value that paradise. That is one benefit that he mentioned. And he mentioned several other benefits concerning the wisdom behind Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taking Adam salam out of paradise into this world even though inevitably he'll go, he'll, he'll go back there. One of the points is in order to appreciate the value of paradise. But the point being is that obviously when we're in this world working towards paradise that is toil, that is labor, that is difficulty, that is hardship but as a result of that a person enters into paradise and thus none of that toil and none of that hardship seems like anything at all. Third part, part number three, part number three is concerning the statement of the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam when he said Ta'bud Allah wa la tushrik bihi shay'ah wa tuqeem as-salah wa tu'ti al-zakah wa tasum al-ramadhan wa tuhij al-bayt Mu'adh ibn Jabal asked the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam to inform him about a deed that shall enter him into paradise save him from the fire of hell the Messenger then says you've asked about something great and indeed it is easy for the one whom Allah makes easy for. Now the Messenger والسلام, mentions those actions that shall enter in a person into paradise and save him from the fire of hell. He mentions that you worship Allah and not associate anything with him. That you establish the prayer, that you give as zakah, that you fast, يعني, you fast in Ramadan, and that you perform pilgrimage to the house يعني يعني these five statements they are essentially what hmm. the five pillars of Islam the five pillars of Islam so essentially the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abad he says that the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam he said bayyana nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wasallam أن أهم شيء يتقرب به إلى الله عز وجل ويحصل به الظفر بالجنة والسلامة من النار أداء الفرائض. That the greatest thing via which a person can enter into paradise and be saved from the fire of hell is doing your obligations, doing what you've been told to do. You have to do it. And in this example, in this narration the messenger mentioned the five pillars of Islam they are the greatest of obligations the five pillars now the first statement that the messenger mentioned that you worship Allah and that you don't associate anything with him in worship that is shahada. that is in place of the shahada that is in place of the testification that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah because if someone was to say to you, please explain, la ilaha illallah, please explain, 
the testification of faith, then it is explained by the statement of the Prophet when he said to worship Allah and not to associate anything with him. That is the meaning of la ilaha illallah. To worship only Allah and not to associate anything with him in that regard. The other part of the shahada, which is the testification that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, is included within there. To say that the first pillar of Islam is to worship Allah and not associate partners with him, that is la ilaha illallah and likewise included within there is Muhammad Rasulullah. Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. Why? Because the testification, La ilaha illallah, and the testification, Muhammad Rasulullah, they are indispensable. One requires the other. You can't worship Allah unless you believe in the Messenger of Allah and you worship Allah based upon the teachings of the Messenger. And likewise, you can't believe in the Messenger of Allah unless you worship only Allah and don't, don't associate partners with Him. Therefore, they are mutalaziman. The shahadatan, they are inseparable. The shahada that la ilaha illallah and the shahada Muhammad Rasulullah, both of them require each other. Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad, he then goes on to mention the fact that these five pillars of Islam have been mentioned in order of importance. The five pillars of Islam have been mentioned in order of importance. And we discussed this when we studied the second hadith, the hadith of Jibreel. But we'll quickly go over it. The first pillar is the most important pillar. Why? Testifying that none has a right to be worshipped except Allah and that Muhammad is his final messenger is the most important pillar. Why? Fantastic. Very good answer, Marshall Mubarak. What's your name? Bilal. Very good answer. Barakallahu feek. Zadakallahu ilman ya Bilal. This religion that we practice is going to be an absolute waste. The deeds will be an absolute waste. The efforts will be an absolute waste. And nothing will count unless this first pillar is present. Testifying that none has a right to be worshipped except Allah and that Muhammad is his final messenger. So that is why that has been mentioned first, because it is the most important. Without that pillar, everything else is rendered null and void. The second pillar is the Salah. Why is the Salah the second most important pillar? The five pillars have been mentioned in order of importance. Why is the second pillar the most important? Sheikh Bilal. It's to do with worship, yes. Very good, very good. If you're, if you're not praying, then what type of Islam are you practicing? If there is no Salah, what type of religion are you practicing? And likewise, because of the fact that Salah is the strongest bond that a person can have between him and his Rabb, where he is invoking him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, praying to him, bowing down, humbling. 
prostrating on the ground humbly that is the greatest sila bond connection that you can have between you and your rub not just that but you're repeating it not on a yearly basis not on a monthly basis not on a weekly basis not a, on a daily basis you're doing so on a daily basis you're doing it five times a day so it is that act of worship that is occurring so often in relation in comparison to the other pillars it is it is occurring the most often and therefore it is a second most pillar why second most important pillar of our religion because it is the greatest bond between us and our creator and it is the one that is occurring the most frequently third pillar is what zakah why is that the third pillar why is that the third pillar because obviously the five pillars of islam as we mentioned are in order of importance why is that the third most important how many times he, how many times do you give zakah once a year what's the fourth pillar fasting in ramadan how many times do you do that once a year mm. zakah occurs once a year fasting in ramadan occurs once a year so why are they not equal why is it the case that zakah is more important Fantastic answer. Allah Mubarak. What's your name? Saif. Yes, Sheikh Saif is correct. You're helping other people with zakah. You're, hel you're helping yourself, obviously. Why? Because it's a good deed. It's a good deed that you hope to be rewarded for. So it's a good deed for yourself, but it is muta'addi. It transcends beyond you. It goes beyond you. It helps others as well. So the recipients, as far as the benefit of zakat is concerned, are two. You and others as well. Whereas the fourth pillar, which is siyam, fasting in Ramadan, then who benefits from it? Only you. Other people, they're not going to benefit as far as the fasting in the month of Ramadan is concerned. But it occurs on an annual basis. It occurs yearly. And therefore, the fifth pillar of Islam is Hajj. Why? Because it... It... Somebody that hasn't answered. Somebody that has not answered. Um, salah is the second most important pillar because it occurs five times a day. Zakah is the third most important pillar because it occurs annually, but other people benefit as well as you. Siyam, fasting in Ramadan is the fourth most important pillar because only you benefit and it only, it only occurs once a year. Why is Hajj the fifth most important pillar? Sheikh Saif. Barakallahu feek. Ahsant. Because performing Hajj doesn't occur five times a day. It doesn't have to occur on a yearly basis, as far as Hajjat al-Islam is concerned, your mandatory Hajj is concerned, no. Once in a lifetime is the obligation. And because it doesn't have to occur every day, every month, every year, but just once in the life, therefore it is the fifth pillar of Islam, and it is the one that carries the fifth 
degree of importance, uh, for the lack of better terms. Tamam ya ikhwan. So that is part number three, part number four, inshallah ta'ala, and part number five, six, seven, and part five, six, seven, we'll complete bi'ithnillahi ta'ala next week. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. Wa sallallahu ma'ala nabiyyina Muhammad. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.